Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you who are here today. Those of you who are joining online, welcome. Uh, my name's Steve Cunningham. I get to be uh, the lead pastor here at Wellhouse. It's uh, it's an awesome opportunity that I have uh, to get to, to do that week in, week out basis. Uh, and for some of you, you're you're still smiling this morning because last night you got to see your Vols put a put a little bit of a a victory there over Bama, and that was a pretty impressive, a great game. If you got to watch it, some of you were watching that while eating fish last night, and that was good. Some of you are like, what, "What was the fish about?" So it doesn't matter. Great game, congratulations! It was awesome, uh, awesome game. Um, I want to let you know just a kind of a brief update. It's been it's been probably about six weeks now uh, since we last talked. We're slowly losing power. That's all right. We'll get it back. Um, that uh, about six weeks ago, I, I let you know that we are in uh, negotiations and looking for a permanent uh, location for Wellhouse. And the reason why we are looking for that is is not because we just want a space. Uh, it's not because, you know, we, we, uh, that's, the, that's the end goal. The end goal for Wellhouse is to live out the gospel and to change lives through Jesus Christ. That's, that's what we want. And we want a space to be able to do that best, to partner with other people who are already doing that and share uh, together in that space to be able to transform as many lives as possible. Some of those ministries already exist in the area but are wanting to to be associated uh, with some of the things that we already do because we do so many of those great things in our community now. And I want to give you a little bit of an update that won't feel like a lot of uh, update, but I, I feel like from time to time, I'm sure some people are like, where are we at with that? We never hear, and I don't want to let you know. The reason why you haven't heard anything is because we don't have a whole lot to tell you. We're still in the, in the negotiation process of that, uh, but I, what I do want to let you know is that this week, our leadership is committing to fasting and praying through the week uh, about where God is leading us in that. Uh, that, that God will open doors and create amazing ways through that. So we would love for you to partner with us this week. If you want to choose a day or maybe a morning or afternoon or evening, whatever that looks like for you, and just pray that God will open some amazing doors and that we'll be faithful in that and following through, not just to gain a building. That's not our, our, our end goal at all to be faithful to our community and what God has entrusted us with, to truly reach out and impact lives for Christ. And so I encourage you to do that this week. You, if you're joining us for the first time uh, today or for the first time in a while today, we're kind of smack dab in the middle of a series that we have titled Haunted. Uh, feel, uh, just felt appropriate for you know, this season. Uh, but we're the whole idea of uh, this series really is we want to make sure that some things that feel scary or seem scary or heavy or just... Uh, uh, things that we have typically not talked about in the past, maybe if you've been a part of a church, things that, things that you're like, why don't we ever talk about these issues? Uh, because they feel so much a part of our life, but we don't ever get the chance to talk about them. Well, we want to shed some light in those areas so they don't feel so scary. They don't feel so heavy. And maybe 
hopefully, through us having a conversation together, some of your burden is lightened along the way. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about depression and what does that look like in the life of a believer? Can you, can you be a, a Christian and be depressed? And uh, the answer to that is absolutely. Uh, and we see many examples of that throughout, uh, throughout the Bible. And so if you didn't get a chance to, to cue into that message, go back. It's online. Last week, we talked about regret. And I know nobody here but me has uh, a regret, right? None of you have, have ever had anything that you look back on and say, man, I, I wish I'd have never said that thing. I wish I'd never done that thing. I wish I'd have never married that person. I wish I never had, had gone to that. But whatever it is, you have some regret in your life. We talked about that last week. And how do we overcome regret? Today, we're going to, to enter into another one of those scary, heavy uh, conversations. And hopefully, by the end of the day, uh, you'll feel a little bit lighter about it. It's a topic that I think is so prevalent, in fact, that most doctors and medical professionals say it's, it's the number one reason why people wind up getting treatment. Uh, it's not heart disease, it's not cancer, it's not any of those things. It's this issue right here. And the issue is resentment. Now, I want to distinguish for you uh, between two things. Uh, one is anger and the other is resentment. Anger could be defined as this, the feeling of annoyance or displeasure. You don't like something and so it, it kind of can create in you some angry feelings. But resentment is different than that because it is the fostered feeling, the fostered feeling of bitterness, usually from uh, cumulative offenses. Now, you've been there before, right? Uh, if you've been married, you have been there before, right? If, if this is right, some of you are like, yep, yeah, that's the first thing, smart thing you've said all, uh, all month long, Pastor, right there. Um, if you've worked in a job, you've been there, right? If you're in a family, <laughs> You've been there, right? Where there's an accumulation of offenses and all of a sudden you wind up feeling yourself, even when you're not around that person, even when you're not in that space anymore, your mind continues to go through conversations that were had or conversations that weren't had. Some of you, that, that those feelings tend to kind of rise up when you think about a church that you were at. And all of a sudden, those feelings begin to come. You remember how you were treated. You remember the things that were said. You remember how you felt like you were isolated or pointed out. Or, and those feelings tend to rise up in you. Today, we want to talk about resentment. The fostered feeling of bitterness, usually from cumulative offenses. There's actually a, a name for this. Uh, most, most psychologists and psychiatrists will, will look at bitterness or resentment and, and they will talk about it, but it's, it's not, it hasn't been for a very long time in uh, the DSM, which is a diagnostic tool that most psychologists and psychiatrists use to then diagnose somebody uh, with, with some kind of mental illness until recently when there has been labeled something called post-traumatic embitterment disorder. Post-traumatic embitterment 
disorder. And this is how we diagnose this. When somebody begins to hang on to resentment for a long time, and then it begins to become a factor in the way in which they live. Most of the time, this presents, this looks like other things. And like I mentioned before, a lot of doctors and nurses and, and medical professionals will wind up treating somebody for heart disease or they come in with pains or chronic headaches or chronic pain in their body when really what's going on is they've held on to resentment for so long that it actually becomes a physical ailment in their life. Think about it this way. How many of you have ever had a, a, a chemical in a bottle, you know, some kind of squeeze? You, you used a spray, clean the bathroom or the counters or whatever like that, and you use it a few times, but you hold it, you know, you put it underneath the sink, or if you're a better parent than me, because that's where we keep all of our dangerous supplies, right there for all the kids to access, right? Uh, you put it up high. That's what I should have done when my kids were little. Put it up high so they can't get into it, right? But then after some time of not using it, you've gone to grab that thing again. It's almost full because you wish you were better cleaner than you were, but you're not. So you grab it again. It's almost full, but you squeeze the trigger, and what happens? You've been there. Come on. Nothing. Doesn't come out. Doesn't work. Why is that? Because what was containing toxins eventually ate it out from the inside out. See, that is what resentment will do. Now, before we really get into resentment, I think there's some, there's some myths that we need to, uh, to bust uh, about resentment and what that looks like uh, so we can talk about it in a better language. The first one is this, that uh, myth number one, that it's bad to feel angry. Some of you are like, of course it's not bad to feel angry, right? I, I, I live on that. I'm almost Hulk. You know, you don't have to scratch too far. And all of a sudden, I kind of come unhinged, right? And others of you are like, are you sure it's not bad to feel angry? Because I feel like that's not a good thing, right? I, I feel uncomfortable sometimes when I feel something stirring inside of me. And what I want to let you know is it's not bad to feel angry. In fact, that's the way God made us. That sometimes there's going to be things, again, this definition of anger, there's going to be things that come inside of us that are annoying. And some of those look like Bama almost winning, right? And you're like, oh, no. You know, I heard some of you screaming last night all the way from my house, right? I mean, no, but there's things inside of us that are natural that cause us to be angry. Myth number two, if you ignore your anger or the offense long enough, the feelings will go away. Some of you have tried this. You're like, all right, listen, I'm just going to not talk. If I just don't talk about it anymore, if I don't address it, it will go away and then I will feel better. But really what begins to happen is you're repressing it. And the people that know you the best, the people that live with you, the people that interact with you on a, on a daily basis, they're not fooled by that either. Because they know it's kind of like a ticking time bomb. You'll repress it, you'll repress it, you'll repress it. And then eventually something kind of minor happens and you snap. And everybody around you is like, man, why, why are they so angry now? Like last week when that big thing happened, they were kind of calm, cool, and collected. And now all of a sudden they're kind of this volcano of anger. What happened? It's a myth that if you ignore your anger or the offense long enough, the feeling will go away. The third one is this. 
resolving your anger means that it wasn't that significant in the first place. If you can resolve it quickly, it means it wasn't that big of an offense. It really wasn't that significant. They didn't really hurt you that bad. It wasn't that meaningful to begin with. That's a myth. The last one is this. I can't let go of my hurt because it was too bad or was too hurtful. I just can't let go of it. I, I've tried. I've, I've gone through some counseling. I've read some books. I, I've even prayed about it. I've gone to church. I've asked other people. I just can't let go of it because it's, it's too bad. It's too hurtful. Several years ago, you might have become aware of uh, a situation that happened. There was a, there was a police officer who, who wound up working a shift of about 13 and a half hours. They were released from their shift, and they went home to an apartment that they had for about two months at that time. They were on their phone as they, they got off the shift, drove home, got in the parking garage, wound up being on the fourth level instead of the third level, which is where they live. They were continued to walk and talk on their phone as they got off this long shift, noticed that their door was slightly cracked open, fearing that there was somebody, an intruder who was in their, uh, in their apartment. They drew their gun, walked in, and saw somebody sitting there pulled their gun out, aimed, fired, and killed a young man innocently in their apartment. His name was Botham John. You might remember that story. But what you may not know is that during the trial for this police officer, his name is Amber, this, this man who was killed, his younger brother, wound up taking the stand right before she was sentenced. And he had the opportunity to say to her whatever he needed to say to her. And usually what happens is, I can't believe that you would destroy my life. I can't believe that you would, you would have done these things. How negligent. Why can you be more thoughtful? Or why was your first thought to shoot somebody before figuring out what was going on? But instead, this is what happened. I don't want to... say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just, I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the thing, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know, I can speak for myself, I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I, 
personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please. Yes. That hug goes on for like another four minutes where they wind up talking to one another. Continuing, he's continuing to forgive her. She's continuing to say, I'm so sorry. I know probably what you're thinking, okay, Steve, man, that, that's amazing, and I would love to do that, but I don't think I have it in me. I don't, I mean, if I was to sit down and talk with you, Steve, you would understand where I'm coming from. Believe me, I've tried. Believe me, I've thought about it. Or, or maybe I've tried to think about it, but I just cannot come to that point. And that's amazing for that young man. But it, I don't think I can get there myself. And before we get there, I just want to walk through a couple of, of whys. Why is, why is letting go of resentment so important for you and I. Why is that? Well, the first one is this. Harboring a hurt will eventually hurt others. Harboring a hurt will eventually hurt others. You've probably heard the saying before that hurt people hurt people. And man, I watched that so true in, in, in all of my life. As, as our kids kind of interact in school, you know, you, you wind up coming, they come home, and they tell you stories, and so-and-so did this, and so-and-so did that, and you just know because you've had experience, because you've seen behind the scenes of enough lives that that young man or that young woman that they're referring to is probably growing up in a home where they've been hurt multiple times, and now somebody who is hurt winds up hurting other people. You've, you've experienced that in your own relationship before, right? Where somebody said a, a sharp word to you, somebody said something that was unkind, treated you unkindly, and all of a sudden you began to take it out on everybody else around. In fact, psychologists say that, that this is sometimes happens through transference. Transference is when you kind of go through an experience, somebody, somebody maybe mistreats you or, or, or treats you poorly in some kind of way, and you don't necessarily take it out on them but you take it out on somebody else. And some of you, listen, 
you need to hear this. Some of you, the way you were raised has impacted you in a way that you've held on to resentment for a long time, and your family knows it. And it's not that it happens all of the time. It's that sometimes where your, your immediate response, because you were hurt in the past, you've not dealt with it all the way. And so it comes out, and it winds up hurting the people you love. And some of you can't figure out why it happens that way. But it's resentment that's been fostered for a long time through cumulative offenses. For some of you, it's the feeling of church. You, you understand the concept. You love the idea of loving people and giving grace, but you've been hurt and you carry that with you. And you transfer it to everybody else who says, man, listen, have you ever gone to church? you think about going to church with me? And all of a sudden, those feelings come up. No way, not gonna do it. Those people, let me tell you about those people. Harboring hurt will eventually hurt others, generally the people you love the most. Second reason why is this, unresolved hurts leave little room for joy. Unresolved hurts leave little room for joy. Um, Bear's in his class. I'm going to tell a quick story about him. Don't tell him, okay? Here we go. I love Bear. He's a spice to life, man. That kid is hilarious and crazy. And, and our big joke in, in, our, uh, in our family is you just never know what kind of bear you're going to get. Maybe we, maybe, we, maybe we named him appropriately. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes there are times where he will get into a... Hold down. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure it was like dance time, like spontaneous. Okay. Whew. Where was I at? Let's start over. No, I'm kidding. Um, sometimes Bear will get to a place where he's so hurt, so angry, that as we say, let's sit down, listen, let's read. Let, let, let's have fun together. Let's, let's do something together where, you know, we know you're going to love it. And he's like, nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to have fun. Going to avoid it. Going to push it all away because I got upset and now I'm going to reject all joy. But here's what I know is true. It doesn't just happen for beer. Well, that happens for you and me too. The times where we get hurt, we get injured, there's something that happens to us and we hold on to resentment so long that we no longer have room for joy in our life. We cut all of those pieces out. In fact, most of the time, we not only cut them out, we build walls so we don't ever have to deal with them again. And what I want to ask you is, is that the way you really want to live your life? Rejecting joy while holding on to resentment. Last thing is this, a bitter root will shape my growth. A bitter root will shape my growth. Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews uh, says this, and starting in verse 14, if you have your Bible, you can scroll on open. Uh, you might want to underline this. Go back to it later this week and see how it applies to your life. This is what it says, make every effort, underline that word every, 
every effort. Sometimes I think my efforts are pretty lackluster. I mean, some of them are like, man, I tried for a half a second, or I threw out a lifeline, and then it just didn't work, so I gave up. The writer of Hebrews encourages us. He says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one sees the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I love the way that the, the writer of Hebrews pins this because he talks about bitterness as a root. And I don't know about you, but very few times do we ever see an actual root, right? It's underneath the ground, but I learned something important about a root is that will grow up something eventually, about two months ago, my wife and I, we were out in the yard and we were pulling up these yucca plants because whoever planted them there originally just thought, you know, I'm going to put a yucca plant here and there. And it's a, it's a super huge pain to mow around. So we decided we we're going to pull those things up. So I attached a toe strap to, to my car and then I attached the other end to these yucca plants. We ripped them out of there and it was a ton of fun. We got the plants up, but we didn't get all the roots. And you know what I'm starting to see back in my yard now again? Yeah, those darn yucca plants, right? Because sometimes we just deal with the surface stuff. Yeah, I forgive you. Yeah, I'm going to move on. But yet we, we let the resentment live and foster in our lives. And then all of a sudden, it's not too long and that resentment pops back up again. You're saying, where'd it come from? Well, it's because we never got rid of the root. Here's the other thing about roots. If I have a root of an apple tree, how realistic is it to think that I'm going to get oranges from that tree? See, the root is going to tell you something about what's going on in, in the plant's life, isn't it? A damaged root is going to tell you something about the tree. A healthy root is going to tell you something about the tree. And the writer of Hebrews reminds us, hey, listen, don't let a bitter root grow up in you because what's going to happen? Oh, it's going to cause trouble. You're going you're gonna to see trouble in your life. And not only that, but it's going to defile many. It's going to hurt many. It's going to impact many. See, here's the thing. You think holding on to resentment, maybe it hurts the other person. Sure, it hurts you. But what you don't recognize is, man, there's a ton of people impacted. Because of the bitter root that's never properly been destroyed. So how do we do this? What does that look like? How do we get rid of the bitterness, the resentment that happens in our life when we were impacted and we were hurt in the first place? There's a couple of things that I think we can point ourselves to. The first one is to recognize that there is more than you at stake when it comes to your bitterness. There's more than you at stake when it comes to your bitterness. Imagine it this way, right? You're, you have the little kid on the trip and all of a sudden they throw the tantrum. Your family doesn't go on like life is normal, do they? Oh, that would be fun, but it doesn't happen that way, does it? We have a, a rule in our, in our car, especially on long trips. That rule is don't take off your shoes, <laughs> right? 
you have rules too, but now you've just gotten a new rule. <laughs> You're like, that's a great idea. Because one person can affect the whole, can't they? All of a sudden, we're like, somebody got their shoes off, time to put them back on, right? It's a good rule. And it's a rule. <laughs> like, you have weird rules in your house, you know? It's a rule that helps us remember that we, what we do impacts those around us, doesn't it? You're holding on to bitterness. Man, it'd be great if it just impacted you, but I'm telling you, it does not just impact you. Some of you, your coworkers know that you have resentment at home. Your coworkers know it. Your extended family knows it. Your friends know it. And some of them have tried to lovingly tell you over time, but it's just... It just hasn't got through it. So first, we have to recognize that there's more at stake than just you. Second is this, that we have to remind ourselves, remind ourselves that on the other side of bitterness is something worth fighting for. Reminding ourselves that on the other side of bitterness, on the other side of this resentment, on the other side of letting this thing go, there is something in our life worth fighting for. It's something beautiful. It's something that God wants for us. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't just come to give life. I came to give abundant life. And some of you, you haven't felt that for a long time because you've been stifling it down with the hurt that you've had. And you keep hearing, you know, all right, Jesus gives life, but man, I don't feel it. And you won't feel it until you begin to remind yourself that there is something on the other side worth fighting for. This last, this next statement is a hard one, and you're, everything inside of you is going to fight it. But as you begin to do that, I want you to think through it, okay? The third step is just to admit, admit and confess that what started out as their offense has led to your issue. Admit and confess that what started out as them, right? They're the person who said it. They're the person who did it. They're the person who wronged me. They're the person who didn't step up. They're the person who pushed all this stuff on me. They're the person who ostracized me. They're the person who neglected me. Has now led to your issue. And not in a sense of victimization. In a sense of now... You are victimizing others. Now others are, are, are carrying the burden of your anger and your hurt and your resentment and your bitterness. And they've tasted the bitter root from you. And you've tried to knock it down and it just keeps springing it back up again. See, until we get to the point where we can admit, it's my problem now, and confess I recognize the ways in which I have been mistreating you because of the things inside of me that I don't want to get rid of, that I don't know how to get rid of. See, it doesn't ever go away. Remember those little white cards? They're right there. They've got a couple holes punched. You can do this now or you can do this later. You can be very generic or you can go in depth. But that's what this card is for. Admit and 
confess. And maybe it's, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's my dad. Or maybe it's that person at work. Or maybe some of you are going to hold it a little bit tighter because of who you're around. And you're going to say, when my spouse, when my husband, when my wife. But see, until you admit and confess, it will, well, it just won't ever go away. It'll always be the other person's problem. It's, it's always going to be the way they treated you, but it's never going to be your responsibility. And you don't have to let it go. So admit and confess. There's a pen around you somewhere. If there's not one in your chair, there's one near you. You can take your time to write that out. In a little bit, as we uh, are dismissed, you can carry that with you. I discreetly put two holes, so as you tie it, we're going to give you balloons that are filled with helium. and They're biodegradable. They're, like, made of birdseed, so everything's good. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but I was pretty close. Uh, and as on your way out, you can tie that the balloon and then it's time for the next step see that the next step is to make the decision to let go of the bitterness so the bitterness can let go of you see it's a decision you keep thinking like all right what is the thing that's going to like help me get past this i pray about it i think about it i study about it and here's the here's the harsh reality it's simple but it's true you have to make the decision to let it go for some of you as you walk out the door today you're going to tie that on there and you're just going to let it go and you will walk out of here you have the opportunity to walk out of here a different person than when you walked in and you didn't even know that was going to happen today but you will leave lighter than when you came in and will it be fully gone no but it's a step for some of you you need more time for some of you, it's not the right space. You need to be by yourself. For some of you, you may want to gather your family at home and just say, listen, we need to do this together. For some of you, it's a conversation you need to have before you let it go and say, listen, I'm sorry for the way that I impacted you in my hurt. And I recognize that's me. And now I need to let it go. See, it won't leave until you decide it's time to go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and give you peace. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious throne without fault and with tremendous joy. May you be swept away in God's love for you and transformed through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Thanks be to our only God, our Savior, who's unparalleled and unchanging, who is matchless and merciful, who's supreme and sufficient, who's before all things, through all things, and in all things, both now and forever.